May is Asian American and Pacific Islander History Month. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, lead producer Sonia Cho Swanson sits down with Mark Padungpat, the director of Asian and Asian American Studies at UNLV. They talk about what this month means to him and why the celebration comes with a little hesitation, too. It's Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. I'm David Figler, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Mark, it's so good to see you again. I know. It's so good to see you, too. Happy May. And yes. as you know, May is also Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month or History Month, as you will um, hear both. I wanted to learn more about this. Tell us what's important about commemorating this month and also if you have any hesitations. You know, the the default, right, is that this is great. It's a great month to highlight the great work that's being done in the AAPI community, the cultural production, media, scholarship, research, uh, activism, and movements already taking place within the community. And I think the month is good in a sense that it gets to highlight and really center all of this work. And so yeah, I don't think anybody would argue that, that this is a good thing, right, that we mm-hmm. give more attention. But then there's always, you know, I, I have my hesitations. And I think one is just with the naming of it, right, that that's probably the most immediate thing just to me. And by naming, I mean, you know, there's AAPI Heritage Month um, and then there's AAPI History Month. And I prefer AAPI History Month because I think that really speaks to and highlights Asian American identity as a political identity, Mm. right? Whereas AAPI Heritage Month, you know, because heritage is about, you know, culture and tradition um, practices that get passed down or transmitted over generations or having some kind of ancestry to mm-hmm. Asia and the Pacific, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the history, I think, allows us to talk about all of those things, but how those things are really shaped by larger social and political transformations um, like you know, colonialism and imperialism or immigration law, uh, anti-Asian racism and violence, mm-hmm. right? How all of these things impact those traditions and cultural practices. And so I think for me, you know, it's always important and I always prefer to say AAPI History Month, but I think that that's one sort of hesitation when I see the heritage is Mm -hmm. like, you know, is is this going to be a kind of neatly packaged culture that's presented to us, right? Yeah. Or can we really dig deeper? And it's not to say like we have to get into all the dark negative things that have (laughs) happened, right? It's it's more of just like being honest about what that heritage means in a historical context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how we got here. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I was kind of curious, too. I mean, is this the month when you get all of the speaker requests and (laughs) invitations like we're doing right now? Yeah, no, I'm going to steal this from my friend uh, and really good friend and colleague, Javon Johnson, who teaches in African-American studies. In February, he's like, yeah, this is Black Labor Month, right? (laughs) Where it's just like... (laughs) He just gets asked to do everything. And so I guess that's another hesitation is AAPI History Month is like I get flooded with requests to do, you know, lectures and workshops and interviews. And again, I think this is great. It's highlighting the work that we've all been doing. But it would be nice that it was not relegated to a month and we can spread it around, I think, a little little bit more. (laughs) 
That's fair. Just to give you a little background, Mark, I actually forgot that it was AAPI History Month, <laughs> and I contacted you before I realized what month it was. So that's in our defense there. No, you um, know what? You don't have to feel bad about that because I think, to me, that means you're doing the work consistently. I'm going to read it that way, right? Because okay. like, sometimes I, like I forget, it. and I'm like, well, it's because I've been talking about this every month, right? <laughs> so like, we're, this we're doesn't gonna... seem... Yeah, we're going to keep talking to you, Mark. We're yeah. going to keep calling you up. So just get ready in, in uh, right. April and October and, and June. So okay, okay. it's not the end of it. Um, <laughs> but let's go a little bit into this term, Asian American and Pacific Islander, which often gets abbreviated as AAPI. Like, where does this come from? So the AAPI term is, I wouldn't say relatively new, but it is newer. And it is the latest iteration I would say, of trying to create or develop an umbrella term for Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in the United States that tries to capture our shared histories and our shared struggle and also our shared racialization in the United States, Mm. how we're perceived because of the way that we look and the meaning that's applied to how we look. Mm -hmm. So... It's the latest iteration, and it's not the only one, right? So there's AAPI, there's uh, APIME, which is Asian Pacific Islander Middle Eastern. Um, and so it's it comes from a place of trying to develop a pan-ethnic Asian identity. Hmm. That AAPI term, though, it covers covers a lot of groups. I mean, we've had some conversations about this before because a little background here, Mark and I worked on another podcast about AAPI issues called Exit Spring Mountain. And we've had some conversations about this umbrella term. Like, is it too broad of an umbrella? Yeah, I I would say yes. Right. And I think it's one of those where we have to see the term as strategic and not all encompassing and that there's tensions even within that term. Right. So uh, as an example, you know, I, I try to make clear that when I say AAPI, that there needs to be an and there, right? So mm. it's Asian American and Pacific Islander as opposed mm-hmm. to just Asian American Pacific Islander. I think the and is important because internally, like from within the community, it shows that, yes, there is a difference between Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Difference not just in terms of culture or history, Um, but also in terms of goals and political goals, right? If we're Mm -hmm. talking about Asian America uh, as a political identity, right? That Asian Americans, at least politically, have been fighting for, you know, inclusion, or at least the the goals at the forefront of the movement, right? Not Mm -hmm. all Asian Americans, but at the forefront of this movement has been representation, inclusion, uh, recognition of Asian Americans as true Americans in the United States, whereas Mm -hmm. for Pacific Islanders and indigenous communities, for example, in American Samoa, right? This is about, and, and indigenous uh, Hawaiians, Kanakamale, this is about sovereignty and land and freedom from the United States. Yeah, We do not want to be part of the United yeah. States at all. Like they, that actually is not a goal uh, mm-hmm. to be visible or be part of this, uh, this society, right? Um, given the histories of imperialism and colonialism. Uh, and so even those two goals, right, are highly contentious under this umbrella. And you add that to just the sheer diversity of languages, mm-hmm. cultures, class statuses, uh, nationalities, of course. And so the term, I think, 
we can't see it as an attempt to try to say that all we're all the same, mm-hmm. but rather a strategic move to say, even though we're all different, American society can't tell us apart. And they've seen us the same historically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that that's important and that sometimes can get overlooked or just, you know, ignored on intentionally when people are sort of critiquing that term or picking apart that term that, mm-hmm. yeah, it, there are differences and we want to, we recognize those differences mm-hmm. and that heterogeneity. But we mm-hmm. also recognize that despite those differences, mm-hmm. that we've been seen in very similar ways, regardless mm-hmm. of those differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's interesting when we think about API in Clark County, because that is the group that gets talked about as the fastest growing group. Why is that? Yeah. You know, it, that's a good question because, you know, in some ways it's, they're similar processes as other places. But then I think in some ways it's also unique to Clark County, right? So what I mean by that is I think API being the fastest growing, this is since the 1970s and 80s, right, where they've just grown dramatically in Las Vegas. And part of that is because of the passage of the 1965 Immigration Act. That act lifted the racist ban against Asians in the United States, against all Asians. But I think it also has to do with uh, service sector labor based labor in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. right? So it's low wage. It's about producing an experience, hotel work, food. And these are occupations that uh, a number of Asian immigrants uh, take up in global cities in the United States, LA, San Francisco. And so I think Vegas uh, provided that or or had that kind of economy as well. And then I think suburbanization is interesting because, mm. you know, in the 80s and 90s, Asian immigrants are moving to suburban neighborhoods or begin to move to suburban neighborhoods hmm. in more numbers than they do in into the city, hmm. into urban areas. And so I think Vegas kind of reflects that phenomenon because Vegas is incredibly suburban, right? So like I think suburban. the yeah. whole thing is suburban. I don't yeah. even know if there's a <laughs> – and by suburban, you know, it's like it's strip mall after strip mall, corporate uh, master plan communities – Everything is sort of grown around the strip. I think those are two trends. And the last quick one I'll say is uh, just militarization, I think, as well. Mm. Um, so the Nellis Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that has played a role. Yeah, that's, that's of, part of my own family's story, too, actually. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think there are connections there that I think we're still sort of exploring those histories. But I think that mm-hmm. that's another reason. Mm-hmm. What would you say is unique about the suburban experience of Asian Americans in Las Vegas specifically? I mean, suburbs are really interesting to me, but, you know, being such a suburbanized city that we are, is there something unique about the way Asian Americans experience the suburbs here? Yeah. I mean, I think like Vegas is a, I think, a uniquely privatized place where nearly every space is private, right? It's highly regulated. Just think about the strip. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the sidewalks are private on the strip. Uh, when you think these quintessential public spaces of the sidewalk, like New York sidewalks or Chicago sidewalks, that's not public here, right? Like mm. these are private spaces. All of the best amenities, the parks, the trails, and the playgrounds, these are all tucked away in these master plan communities. And so uh, for Vegas and Asian Americans, the places that they live 
um, are incredibly privatized and that this impacts your everyday life. Hmm. But also when you're yearning for community and public mm-hmm. space, where do you go if there is no like public center mm-hmm. or community center? And so I think it impacts Asians because then you go to private spaces like restaurants or shopping malls or strip malls to recreate this sense of community and public life, which is really fascinating to me. And I think about a place like, you know, I've been studying Lao Asia Market quite a bit, which is on uh, Desert Inn, right? And it's Mm. a grocery store, but it also has this food court in the back. And it becomes, because of that food court, becomes this kind of community center, Hmm. it's just part of day-to-day life. People drop in, maybe they'll buy a meal, they'll sit, they'll watch TV, they'll talk to people, they'll meet people. And I think that that is so reflective of a Asian American suburban experience. Mm -hmm. And I would even argue that we could learn a lot from that because that to me is the way forward. Like privatization Mm -hmm. of public space is not going to slow down. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't think, yeah. I think it's just going to get more and more private, right? We're going to yeah. all feel like we're living in airports. That's like <laughs> at super, some sense. You just yeah. a weird feeling, but like it also resonates with me because I went to high school a few blocks away from Chinatown. And so like after school, my friends and I would go get boba in Chinatown. And we would also do that to escape the heat because it was so <laughs> freaking hot in the summertime, you know, even into like September. Yes. Um, so it heat- does feel like, yeah, the Vegas is, it's, such, it's a real Vegas thing, I think. Yeah, and the heat as a whole, it makes privatization, like, it intensifies it, right? Because yeah. it's like, not only uh, are spaces private, but like, you don't have a choice now. Even no. if you wanted to be outside, yeah, the heat is telling you you can't. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, give me that sweet AC, please. Yes, of the mall, right? Let me yeah. walk around the mall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, let me bring this back full circle, uh, back to AAPI History Month. I I would love to know, what do you hope listeners of all ethnicities either learn from this month or how how do you hope that they participate in this month? Yeah, I mean, I think one is to to just think about that distinction of AAPI heritage versus AAPI history. And maybe versus isn't the word, but to really think about what is the difference there, right? Like, are are we celebrating just differences in culture? Or are we allowing ourselves to really think about the history of these communities and to dive into those experiences and struggles a little bit more deeply, right? And I would encourage that to to go beyond just, hey, you know, I ate Thai food and then watched a traditional Korean dance. And now that that was my con. But really (laughs) think about, okay, yeah, I'm done, right? I'm like, this is fantastic uh, uh-huh. it's but more about like okay this is this is interesting because like when did koreans get to vegas yeah <laughs> right like just ask those kinds of questions and like what what is their story here uh, how long have they been here like where do these dances fit into their experiences here like why is it why does it matter so much to be able to perform this traditional dance and so to ask i think those kinds of questions and i think really just there, there's a way maybe this is the other hesitation uh, mm-hmm. but there, there's a way that API heritage and history even can can make it appear as if like Asians are something that could be added to our story uh, in terms of like the Las Vegas story that it's just an additive that like oh it's 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 great that they have these things and they contribute these this culture to the city whereas I think I would like listeners to really think about like 
but maybe they represent the city and maybe mm. they can represent the city at its core mm -hmm. and not just as an additive to, well, this is real Vegas and then here are the things that get sprinkled in to make Vegas nice. Mm -hmm. Instead, how can we understand Vegas? How do we understand American society more broadly through the experiences of AAPI, right? Like maybe there's a deeper story here about migration or transiency. Mm -hmm. We always talk about Vegas as a transient place. Yeah. Is that true for all communities? And so I think to see the Asian American and Pacific Islander community not just as, uh, again, their own distinct cultures, right? But as also perhaps representative of all of us in some mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. I'm so resonating with that. Thank you so much, Mark. This has been such a fun conversation. Yeah, thank you as always, Sonia. Thank you. And happy AAPI History Month. <laughs> yes, I know. The, the year-long project that is AAPI yeah. <laughs> History Month. I hope your uh, May doesn't get too too busy. Uh, yeah, it will. <laughs> <laughs> and now for some news. Take it away, Layla. This past weekend, an old metal drum containing a human body was exposed by Lake Mead's falling water level. Cops say it's definitely a homicide and think it's been there since sometime in the 1980s. To follow up on our recent episode on short-term rentals, the county is proposing new rules to regulate Airbnbs and similar companies. Among the provisions, Clark County would ban the use of apartments as short-term rentals, plus keep them away from resorts, and require owners to have a hefty insurance policy. Last but not least, congratulations to Lily A., who won our second pair of Wave-In tickets on social media. Wave-In, Black Mountain Institute's cultural festival, returns this weekend, May 5th through 7th. Visit bmifestival.org for tickets, and we'll see you there. And that's the show today here on CityCast Las Vegas. I know you loved it, so tell a friend. You could also head over to your favorite podcast platform to rate the show and give us some stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our morning newsletter at lasvegas.citycast.com. FM. We'll be back Thursday morning, bright and early, with more news from around the city. Happy AAPI History Month, everybody. Oh, shoot. Okay. So now we're recording. So let's start over. Let's start over then. Hey, Mark, it's so good to see you again. So good to see you again, Sonia. <laughs>